Hopefully you received a bulletin that you'll be able to uh, take some notes of what we're going to be preaching today about, which is myrrh, a sacrificial gift given to remind us of why Jesus came and what his mission was all about. Now, speaking of schools, how many of you, when your children went to school and they got honor roll or principal's honor roll, they used to get a sticker, remember? I don't think they still do that. I wish they would, but I don't think they do that anymore. I don't know why. But um, back in the days, we used to get these stickers that we would put on our cars to say, my child or my son or my daughter is the honor. How many of y'all remember and know what I'm talking about, all right? Well, I think if you think about it, you know, what would it have looked like back in the days when Jesus was born on the back of these donkeys and stuff like that? So we've got a little picture up on the screen of maybe what it would look like so you get an idea of what kind of different uh, pictures they had and so forth. So if we can put that up, that'd be great. Um, and that way you can see. So we've got, well, if it isn't Joseph and Mary, one says our son is an honor student. Another one says our son is a medical school. And the other one says our son is God. And so, um, you know, kind of the things that we had back in the days and so forth. Now, speaking of children, uh, when Declan was dedicated a couple of weeks ago um, for a special dedication that we had for him, we were able to go as a, as a family to his one-year-old birthday party. And maybe you've been to a child's birthday party, but there's nothing like going to a child's birthday party, especially when they get to that cake moment. You know what I'm talking about? Where they can grab it and they can, some of them, this is their first time to have sugar or who knows what, you know, because maybe their parents don't like sugar or something like that. But there's nothing like going to a first-year-old birthday party. It's one of the most incredible things that you can ever experience. And I remember going to that birthday party, and he got all sorts of cute gifts for a one-year-old. And then, of course, Danny and Rachel had, uh, have just had their son, and they were given a baby shower prior to him being born. And, and maybe people gave them money to buy a stroller, or maybe uh, they gave them a crib or a car seat or baby clothes or, or baby blankets or toys. But what do you bring for a king on his birthday? What do you bring for a king on his birthday? I think the wise men use something that we didn't seriously. I mean, when you and I go to a baby shower, what do we usually bring? We usually bring diapers, we get bottles, we get baby toys, we get clothing. But these wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the Bible says in Matthew 2, 10 through 11, it says this, when they, meaning the wise men, saw the star, everyone say star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasured gifts and gave him gold. And they gave him frankincense and myrrh. Now, receiving gifts is probably the favorite tradition for Christmas. And especially as you get older in life, you love giving more than receiving. I remember when I was a kid, I'd count under the tree how many presents were for me and who they were from and stuff like that. But now as I'm older, people ask me, Pastor, or my family says, Dad or Troy, what would you like for Christmas? I, I really don't. I don't want anything anymore. I have everything that God could ever give me and bless me with and so forth. But receiving gifts is probably one of the most favorite traditions of Christmas for many. But when you examine the gifts the wise men brought Jesus, you realize that these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, if you want to write this down, were purposeful. They were purposeful, and they, were, they weren't random, but they were intentional. They were intentional. These three gifts had a spiritual meaning. For example, if you were here with us on the first Sunday, we talked about gold, and gold was a symbol of kingship on earth as Jesus became the King of kings and the Lord of lords, like we mentioned two weeks ago. And we discovered that the wise men knew gold was of high value, that gold was of high value, and they brought their very best to Jesus. But what does the term high value refer to? Does it refer to what the giver gives? Or does it refer to what the recipient receives? And this would, be, this would be what is valuable to the recipient. 
what is valuable to the recipient when it talks about high value, something that they want, something that they need, not necessarily what you want, to ha- what you want them to have or what you think they need in their life. Now, secondly, last week we learned about the second gift of frankincense. That was an incense. And it was given as a symbol of deity, that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was the high priest. And frankincense was not like this cartoon that you see up on the screen uh, when you think of frankincense and the wise men and all that they had going on and everything that took place in that situation. So if you guys can put that up on the screen, that'd be great as well. Um, And it says here, right, we've picked up the gold and the myrrh, but what on earth is that? And of course, it's not Frankenstein, it's frankincense and so forth. But the bottom line is this, frankincense is not what you see on the screen. Rather, it was an oil that was used for worship. And Pastor Chris did such a magnificent job of explaining and preaching to us last Sunday. And he reminded us that the frankincense was specifically used in the tabernacle in front of the Ark of the Covenant. That we discovered in Exodus 30 verses 34 through 37 where it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum raisin, alnaki, galbanum and pure frankincense all in equal amounts and make a fragrance blend of incense the worker the work of a perfumer it is to be salted and pured and sacred grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the ark of the covenant law in the tent of meeting where i will meet with you it shall be most holy to you do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves consider it holy to the Lord. So this oil was considered holy. It was considered something that was set apart for God. So when the wise men brought frankincense to Jesus, they brought it to worship him. They brought it to worship knowing that Christ the King was holy, knowing that Christ the King was set apart to do something for us so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And now the third gift was myrrh. Now, when you see what myrrh is, it doesn't look like the kind of gift you would want to give a king. It doesn't look like the kind of gift you would want to give a baby and stuff like that. And it'll be up on the screen for you to, to, to see an example of what myrrh is. But myrrh was the third gift, and it's our focus for today's Christmas with family message. Myrrh is another aromatic resin that is a fragrant spice derived from the sap of a tree and shrubs native to Near East. Myrrh contains chemicals that they say might might help reduce pain. They say that it kills bacteria. It was used for purification. It was something that was for those who were suffering. And myrrh was an anesthetic that was used for toothache pain. And and, and when you applied this, this thing on bruises or aching muscles or sprains, it helped them back in those days. You see, they had myrrh gum that was often claimed to reduce the symptoms of indigestion. You know, we have Tums and stuff like that, but back then they didn't have Tums. So they had, they had myrrh that was used for symptoms of indigestion, ulcers, colds, coughs, asthma, re- respiratory congestion, arthritis, and cancer. Now, like frankincense, it can be used as an incense. It can be used as an incense, but in the ancient uh, world, it was also used as a valuable perfume. I don't know what kind of perfume you like, ladies, or something like that, or cologne guys. You know, it just seems like perfume and cologne are going up more and more and more than back in the days when we had Old Spice or, or um, Aqua Velvet or something like that. But it was one of those incredible perfumes. It was considered a luxury, a luxury item back then. As a matter of fact, in the Song of Solomon, verses 1 and 13, uh, it says, A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. So not only was it a valuable perfume, but it was used as a sacred anointing oil. Anointing oil. Exodus 30, 23 says, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much as that is 250 of fragrant cinnamon, 
250 shekels of fragrant calamus. Myrrh was even embedded as a, as a medicine t- tonic. Uh, most notable regarding Jesus' life, myrrh was a key ingredient in the mixture of spices that was used to prepare his body for the burial. As a matter of fact, Nicodemus brought myrrh at the time of Jesus' burial. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a, a disciple of Jesus, for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus. And it says in John 19, 39 through 40, he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who was earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of what? Of myrrh and olives, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. So perhaps the wise men intended the gift of, of an, as an indication of Jesus' humanity that he would come to save his people when they brought him this gift. But namely, he came so that we could live as he died. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Has anyone ever prayed for you and claimed that? By his stripes you are healed? I know I've experienced that, and I've experienced God's healing power. As a matter of fact, yesterday I, I was dealing with kind of like a, a plugged up ear, and I was feeling like I had a ring in my ear and stuff like that, and a person just texted me and said, hey, how you doing, and how, what's going on? And just I said, hey, you know, just doing great, everything's fine, but just dealing with this little bit of a plugged up ear and a ring in my ear, and he sent me this long text of a prayer and stuff like that, and God healed me. God, God healed me, and I'm fine now, and everything's great. And of course, God's word is powerful, and the myrrh fully represented his humanity when they gave him that gift. And, and we would see how in his death and burial, thus these gifts came to show us, this, these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they came to show us how Jesus is our king, that Jesus is God, and that Jesus is man. And just like the first two gifts, there's a temple connection with myrrh as well. Exodus 30 tells us that liquid myrrh was the main ingredient in the anointing oil that was used ceremonially to prepare the priest. It was used to, in the instruments to anoint them, the altar, and the temple itself. Before sacrifices could ever be made, myrrh was involved in that. And again, it parallels Jesus' consecrated life to his sacrificial death, as, and it's immediately noticeable when you read God's word. Now, Matthew tells us that as soon as the wise men departed, that the angel came to warn Joseph of Herod, of what Herod was going to do in his rage. And in Matthew 2.13, it says this, When they had gone, meaning that the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, Joseph was instructed to take refuge in Egypt. A journey that was over 100 miles back in those days. Now, of course, Joseph and Mary were a humble family. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of means of of wealth or anything like that. To take a trip of that magnitude would be difficult to pull off. It would be like you deciding that you wanted to go from here to the the East Coast, but you didn't have a lot of money, and you're trying to figure out, well, how are we going to get from here to there? We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of food and stuff like that or shelter and so forth. And though we don't have a record of such, it's reasonable to think. It's reasonable to think that the valuable gifts that Mary and Joseph received from these wise men, maybe it helped finance. Maybe they had to sell a little bit of that gold. Maybe they had to sell a little bit of that incense. Maybe they had to sell a little bit of that myrrh to get from where they were to where they needed to go 100 miles away. And that's so typical of God. 
That's so typical of God that when God calls you to do something, he always provides. I remember I used to always hear from a pastor of, of, uh, of mine, one of my mentors. He said, when it's God's will, he'll always fit the bill. He'll always fit the bill when it's God's will. And that's so typical of God that when God wants us to do something, when God calls us to do something, and it's almost like a risk factor, the Lord always provides. The Lord always guides. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what you've experienced in those areas of your life? And it's the same not only back then, but for today. And that's so typical of God. But Jesus came to this earth. Besides all that he did for us, all that we've, we've seen in movies that depict Christ, like from The Chosen or from other movies or whatever it may be, or we read or we experience going to Israel or something like that. With all that Jesus did while he lived on this earth, his secret ambition, his secret mission on why he came was to die. He came to die so that we could live. He died on an old rugged cross to pay for our sins. He was buried, and then three days later, he rose from the dead. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God will forgive you of your sins. God will receive you into heaven when you and I die. Why do I believe that? Because 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received on which you have taken to your stand, which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Oh, I remember that day I gave my life to Jesus. 1 John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you've ever adopted a child or you've been adopted, your name was changed from what it was to what it is. And that's so what Christ did for us. God took on in the form of his son, Jesus, who came to this earth, who sacrificed so that we could have life and he can change our filthy rags into this precious or into these glorious robes of righteousness that we get when we call upon the name of the Lord. Do you trust Christ today? Do you confess your sins and call upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have it, I want to encourage you to do that. Because Romans 10, 9 through 13 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You might be saying, does that mean, Pastor, that someone that's done so many bad things in his life, right before he dies, says that God will save him? Yes. Think about the ones on the cross that were opposite of Jesus. One of them said, you know, remember me when you go to paradise. He was basically confessing that you are Jesus, that you are Lord. And the Lord said, I will remember you and I will bring you into my kingdom. It says this in verse 10. For it is with your heart that you have believed and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you have a cell phone? Most of us have a cell phone. And have you ever noticed that when someone calls you, you have two options. You have a green button to accept the call or a red button to reject it or to let it go to your voicemail. Does anyone in this room have only the green button on their phone? No one does. But I believe that in heaven, God's phone only has the green button. Because forever who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He doesn't look at them like, oh, it's Troy. I don't want to talk to him. 
No, he accepts it. And that's the way that's so typical of God. So as we wrap this up this morning, the wise men brought three gifts to Jesus to describe an element of who Christ is, to reveal what gifts we should offer to him this Christmas and beyond. So if you want to write these down, I would encourage you to do that. The first one is this. The wise men brought him gold. As our king, we must give Jesus our wealth. Why do we give Jesus our wealth? Because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. How many of you ever had mac and cheese before? Anyone have mac and cheese before? Most of us have, and some of our kids, we still love it. Well, J.L. Kraft, the head of Kraft Cheese Corporation, said this, and I quote. He said, the only investment I've ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord. That's what he said. He said, out of everything that God has given me, the thing that has paid consistently increasingly dividends is the money that I've given to the Lord. Now, there was a 65-year-old lady named Diane Gordon who lived in a small little town, and her Jeep Liberty broke down, and she was forced to commute by foot, and it was a trip that would take her each way about an hour to get from where she worked or where she lived to get to work and so forth. And she continued to do that, and she goes, I didn't have a choice. I have to have a positive attitude. Well, one day, walking home in late January, she spotted a plastic bag, and as she opened the plastic bag, there was $15,000 in cash. In cash. How many of you would say, like, praise the Lord, I can get a new Jeep, I can get a new car. This is a sign from God, you know, that this is for me. This is for my need and my want, my desire. And, of course, she could have used that money to purchase a replacement vehicle, but again, she, she felt she had no choice. She said, and I quote, I just looked at it, and I knew it wasn't mine. And Gordon said, I knew what I needed to do, and that was she turned it in. You know, when I read that story, when I hear that story, it reminds me, and we should all remember that what we have comes from the Lord. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away, but blessed be his name. He's worthy of it all, that we, and all that we have, and all that we hold of high value. It all belongs to him. So our wealth today should belong to Jesus because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. What do you hold of high value? What do you hold with high esteem? Is there any part of that that you give to God? Or do you say to God, God, I can't give to you this month because I got bills, I got credit card payments, I've got this coming in, the taxes are due, and we kind of just put them on the side. These wise men brought him gold. They brought him the very best. And I'm asking you this morning, are you bringing your best to Jesus Christ? The second thing is the wise men gave frankincense. As our God, we must give our worship because he's holy. Do you worship God based on how you feel? Do you worship God based on what songs are sung? Or do you worship God with your lifestyle or with the songs that we sing in a service or whatever? Because he's holy. He's set apart. He's righteous. There's none like him. First, we worship Jesus because he is the divine son of God. Next, we worship Jesus because of his supremacy. There's none like him. There's, there's no one that can compare to his love and his grace and his mercy. He alone is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Then we worship Jesus because of his humanity. Because of his humanity, he came from heaven to earth to show us the way, to show us the truth, to show us the life. There's no one like Jesus. He became one of us. He died for all of us so that you and I could live. He left the splinters of heaven, the, the, the splendors of heaven to experience the splinters of this earth. Have you ever experienced a splinter under your finger or, or somewhere? It's, it's annoying. You can't wait to get it out. Well, he experienced the splinters of this earth for 33 years, but he never left. 
He stayed. He endured the shame. He endured the pain. He endured all those things for you and I because he loves us. Oh, but then, friends, not only did he die on a cross and bore our sins, but he conquered death. And oh, how wonderful and how glorious is our Savior's love for us. And the last thing is this. The wise men offered Jesus myrrh. They offered him myrrh to honor his death. And as our Savior, we must give Jesus our witness. Are you giving your life as a witness to Jesus? Are you telling people that he's the way, the truth, and the life? You see, if you're saved in this room, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, God has called you to tell others of the gospel as his ambassadors. Now, how many of you love a good restaurant? There's a place you like to go eat or whatever it may be, and maybe you experience that place for the first time. I, I guarantee you that when you went to Chick-fil-A or Cane's or In-N-Out or whatever it is that you like, you told people about this place. Or maybe there's some place that is really obscure that no one really knows about. And someone says to you, hey, I'm looking for this kind of a restaurant. Do you have any recommendations? You don't say to yourself, I'm not going to tell them anything. I want them to suffer. I don't want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm, it's just for me, myself, and I. No, you tell them about this place. You, you, you Google them. You, you, are, you, you send them the map uh, information on their phone or whatever. You've got, you got to go to this place. And you've got to order this, this, and this. It's the same way with the gospel. We have the good news. How many of you know there's a lot of bad news in the world today? People need the good news of Jesus Christ. This Christmas, give Jesus and others something of value with gold. He's blessed you with in terms of your time and your talents and your treasures. And ask yourself this Christmas and beyond, Lord, help me to give you something of high value. Not what I want to give you, but what you need. What does the Lord need from us? He needs us. He wants us. You see, Jesus paid it all. All he wants to do is get what he paid for. That's all he desires. This Christmas and beyond, give Jesus your life and others a gift that will help them grow spiritually, to be set apart and, and holy for him, like, like how frankincense was used. It was a gift of, 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 that was used for spiritual growth. And this, this Christmas season, you might be saying, well, I don't want to give anyone frankincense, but maybe you can give them a Bible. Maybe you can give them a life journal, a devotional, a, a Christ-centered home decor, Christian music. I don't know what it may be, but something that can bring spiritual growth in the life of a person. And this Christmas and beyond, give Jesus and others something that will bring healing, soothing, a sweet fragrance to them, sacrifice, something that will reduce their pain, their bitterness, their congestions, like myrrh did for the body that I, that I shared earlier of what myrrh does. People have congestion from sin in their hearts and their lives. And this beautiful gift can set the captives free. Every head is bowed and eyes are closed in this holy moment. This Christmas, all Jesus wants is you and me. Love came down to rescue us. But my question is, what do you need to be rescued from? Do you need to be rescued from despair? Do you need to be rescued from discouragement, from depression, from fear, from anxiety, from stress, from anger? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you need to be rescued from bitterness, maybe hopelessness. Maybe there's a healing you need physically or mentally. Or maybe you just want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Or maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time and receive the gift of salvation. Oh, there's no greater gift that you could receive than the gift of salvation. And maybe there's an area of your life as every head is bowed and eyes are closed in this holy moment. And you'd be honest to say, Pastor, I need to be rescued. 
from whatever it is that you know you need to be rescued from, or you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, or you want to give your life to the Lord for the very first time. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm asking you to give your life to Jesus. I'm not asking you to experience a religious moment. I'm asking you to start a relationship with the Son of God who loves you, cares for you, and wants nothing but the best for you. Yes, you're going to go to trials and tribulations. There's going to be ups and downs. But you have an advocate. You have a Savior that you can lean on. You don't have to lean on your own understandings. But in all your ways, you can acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Have I experienced trials? Have I experienced tribulations? Have I experienced setbacks or hardships? Oh, yes, I have, friends. But I didn't have to turn to a bottle. I didn't have to turn to an addiction. I didn't have to, I could turn to God. I could cry out to my King and my Savior and He would set me free. And this morning, if you, if you need to be rescued, would you just raise your hand so I could pray for you?